Welcome to the first uh, installment of IndieWire's TV-oriented podcast. Uh, I'm I'm Liz Shannon Miller at Lizlet on Twitter. I'm Ben Travers at Ben T Travers on Twitter. And we talk about TV on uh, IndieWire with our words, but now we are doing it with our voices. Lucky you. Yep. Uh, we're we of course I can acknowledge uh, the wonderful Screen Talk podcast uh, hosted by our own Eric Cohn and Ann Thompson. They are clearly who we are very deliberately parroting or copying or mimicking with us. I like parroting. That's pretty good. Yeah. Are you are you the Anne or are you the Eric? Oh, I want to be the Anne for sure. <laughs> okay, you're the Anne. No I'm the Eric. to Eric, but I mean No, I can I feel like I feel like being the Anne is the fun is the fun job. Being the Eric is also the fun job, but in a different way. <laughs> so, I think uh, in order to kind of kick things off, the idea we had for this very first podcast was to talk about a show that in our nine months of working together so far has been a show that has come up a lot in a lot of different respects, uh, not just between us, but in the general television ecosystem. Yes. Uh, True Detective uh, was one of the one of the landmark television programs of last year, and we've come up on the first anniversary of its finale, yeah. which was one of the most controversial aspects of the show in general, uh, with many people reacting positively and many people reacting negatively. Some were expecting more of a mystery, some were expecting more twists and surprises, others just had such high expectations that they'd never be able to be met. But now we're a year later and we're going to try to reflect on that and see where we're at now. And the unique position we have to do that with comes from our own Liz Miller, who had not seen True Detective up until what? Two days ago? Um, at last night. Last night. That's uh, pretty good. Yeah, I to 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 explain. Uh, my primary beat when True Detective was originally airing was not television, and I was very busy at the time. Just didn't get to it, and then so once I started at IndieWire, of course, uh, I knew that I would have to sit down with True Detective eventually. But it just you know, there's a lot of TV out there, you guys. I own very much my failures, but I am now fixed. I have now seen True Detective, um, despite making a lot of jokes in the intermin about what I would rather be watching. <laughs> All right, well, what was what was the reaction to it coming from the perspective of this is such an important show, people care about this, they're going to yell at you online for not seeing it. How did you react just, just in general? Well, I mean, I think the thing about coming to anything like this from with with like a year's worth of intense critical scrutiny is I was definitely feeling the aspects that I was definitely feeling that weight and feeling the need to overanalyze and feeling the need to dig into it. But at the same time, like I actually ended up by the midway through just kind of shutting that off and to some extent and doing and kind of experience trying to appreciate it as less a mystery a murder mystery and more as a tone poem like which i think is something i got from you because you had been watching the show from the very beginning and did you love it immediately was it love at first sight yeah i was immediately hooked it was i uh i actually went, i went back and watched the pilot and a few more episodes to try to get ready for this and re-watching the pilot surprise like surprises me every time i feel that there's just so many moments in the pilot that, that I feel that I always think are stretched out throughout the series, but it, I mean, 
there's just so many quotable lines that happen immediately. And mm-hmm. there's the car rides, the the my favorite line of the whole series when Woody Harrelson is asked what kind of guy he is, and he goes, "Oh, I'm just a regular type guy with a big ass dick." And then they go, <laughs> "Oh, I'm like these." There's these great little moments of black humor. So I was I was immediately hooked, and I I kept up with it from week to week. Yeah, I would say that like I mean it it, it when you don't. When, you, when a show is a cultural zeitgeist like this one is, but you're not watching it, that, of course, leads you to be familiar with certain key elements and moments. And so it was very exciting to finally hear in context the line, you're the Michael Jordan of being a son of a bitch, which is an amazing line. Great it, line. It's just, in the whole show, I, the show did not disappoint me in terms of the quality of dialogue and the quality of acting, of course, like, good lord. Uh, but as a construct, I found it really... It, because your big thing with the show, and its finale specifically, is that it was never meant... It shouldn't be approached as a murder mystery. Right, yeah. I I never got too deep into the mystery aspect of the show, to the case and the, the very intricate details of the case in general. I mean, I found it... I found that part of the story engaging, but it felt to me very much just a means to introduce these two characters, particularly Rust Cole, and then parallel him with the nice foil of the regular type guy who's mm-hmm. obviously not so regular. So I was much more in, in excited about watching them and seeing what happened to them in the end than what the Yellow King was or what the ending would be to that mystery of it. Like, I just... It wasn't the top thing for me, so... Well, and that's interesting, too, because... Uh, I think this goes. This is a very clear example of the difference between binge viewing and watching on a weekly basis. Because I was just kind of digging in, like I didn't have a week in between each episode to get get into the mysteries and read all the analysis. And as a result, I found myself appreciating it much more. Just as these are two guys investigating a case, and this is their a decades long relationship and how that's evolved and changed. I think the thing what I found really interesting was I had really high expectations for Matthew McConaughey's character as a hook into the show. But it was really Woody Harrelson who got me engaged. I found myself genuinely responding more to him. And I think that's because Matthew McConaughey is doing something amazing, but Woody Harrelson's the more human character. And that was really what drew me in. I I find Woody Harrelson's character to be... I mean, he's going to be underrated. He's going to be undervalued just because of the attention that McConaughey's had on him for the past two years. And, I mean, rightly so for the show. He does a great job. But I'm curious also, did you... Like, not to say that this changed your framing of it, but did you see, like, a lot of True Detective parodies? You're obvi- I mean, oh, there's yeah. no way to avoid the Rust Cole kind of image that's been out there. So I'm, I was curious if that affected, like, your level of engagement towards him. That's actually a really good point because it's it's totally true. I had this concept of him. Uh, I, I definitely had through parodies. He'd been very qu- quickly distilled by pop culture into the philosophizing detective, uh, de- you know, detective trope like uh, John Wayne. If John Wayne went to philosophy school, <laughs> uh, and that is no, but it's true. I had an idea of an, of him as an icon way before I had an idea of him as a character and a person with a backstory and, you know, a real interest in life. And uh, that, yeah, no, that definitely had an impact. Uh, and, but I will say, the thing I'm really glad about, having actually now watched it, is I feel like I have, I feel like the last episode for me really still surprised me and still had me 
in, engaged and intrigued on a level that I wouldn't have normally expected. Like, I didn't feel like I was watching out of duty or anything. I felt like I was like, you know, it w- I really was genuinely excited for the resolution of everything. And so I think that's just something that came out over the course of watching it. Now, do I think it's a perfect show? <laughs> I don't think I can say that. Uh, I think it's, but I think as an sa- example of singular television, I think it is a really special moment. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any. I don't think at this point there's any denying the impact that the show has had, despite its lack of success at certain award shows, which we'll leave that debate debate for another time. Uh, it's definitely. I mean, it changed the game. It, it made the Emmys change their rules for the first time in God knows how long, mm-hmm. and it's it's led us to this new excuse of what they call event series, which is basically now just a test to see if it's good enough to get a season two, and then if it's not, they don't continue, and then it's not cancellation. But anyway, it's very much had an impact on the series of television as they're going to be made. And then for me, it's much more interesting now to to just talk with people about their specific reactions to it, because I feel like everyone has a different one, and everyone has their own version of how they saw it and why they saw it and what they had coming into it. I've spoken with a lot of people who waited until it was on DVD or it was on HBO Go um, after it had ended and they watched it then and that's, I feel like that is a way to change your view on it. Like That will affect your reaction simply because of the amount of time you're putting into it. Mm -hmm. I'm a strong believer that for most series of dramatic television, it's better to take it slowly than to binge watch it. I love binge watching things, but to truly appreciate something, I think you need to be able to step back from it and try to look at the intricate moments of it and just appreciate that, if you think they're there. That being said, obviously you don't think True Detective's a perfect show, but would you, I guess, would you want to dive deeper into it, or is it more like, I watched those eight episodes, I'm ready to move on to the next thing? I think... I think I would I think I would be really interested in reading a little more about like now that I've seen everything I can read a lot of the more interesting critical analysis has been written. I would I want to do that. I uh, do I and I want to also I also will be paying a lot more attention to True Detective season 2 especially because of the many different the many differences we're going to be seeing. Uh Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think I think there's there's a part of me that kind of feels like I've I've I got through True Detective season one. I did it, and now it, it might be time to move on uh, to whatever whatever is next because God knows there's plenty happening. Uh, I'm curious when so when we're talking about like the being the digging in and appreciating something like is there in your mind like a set number of days that you would you 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 think people should spread out episodes over like is should it, should we be taking three days two days it should it be a week i think it's dependent on the person i think that there's i mean there's people who are smart enough that they'll pick up on very intricate details so quickly that they may need a few minutes after they're done with it to just reflect on what was important or what they liked about that episode for me i needed i needed the good a good two days. Like, I liked having a two-day... Like, I'd, I'd have the seven-day break between each one, because that's right. just as I watched it, but I feel to really dig into it and to kind of have a conversation like we're having now. Mm-hmm. You need time like that. For me, it was two days. I think you could do... I think the weekly thing is a nice setup. I think the... If you gave yourself a day... If you, if you wanted to just write about it or you wanted to 
reflect on it in your own way, be it talking with someone, be it taking notes, be it writing an article, be it just, you know, going back to your favorite moments for the show. I mean, do what you need to do. But the thing about binging for me is it all starts to blend together a little bit too easily. And yeah. then I don't remember it as well. It just gets past me. Yeah. And that's definitely a danger with binge viewing. Uh, there's an interesting model that I, you don't see too often, but has happened every once in a while that I kind of love, which uh, the, fir- the primary example I'm thinking of right now is uh, the show Torchwood in, in, on the BBC. When it originally, they, Torchwood had a bunch of different kinds of airing schedules. It had a, two traditional seasons. And then its third season, it had basically a five-episode third season. It was very much kind of a limited series miniseries. This is a format that has been along for, around for a long time. But it was five episodes telling one, essentially one story that even time-wise within the episodes took place over the course of five days. And it aired Monday through Friday at the same time on BBC One. And it was actually really captivating because you had this, like, it was a big event series. It took over the nation's biggest TV channel for an entire week and it got huge ratings and it was a huge cultural, not a huge cultural moment necessarily, but people were definitely hooked. Not just because it's actually a really great miniseries, Torchwood Children of Earth. If you only watch any, if you if that's the only Torchwood you ever watch in your life, you're fine. But it's really good, um, and it. But yeah, I feel like the the one the one day a week the the one episode a day model. Like so, you co- you you watch it that night. You come in in the morning. You talk about it with your coworkers, or you cop on the internet. And you have the whole day to process it. Maybe 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 if that like that is a bare minimum. Yeah, I think that would, I mean, again, that goes kind of to what I was, you put it much more eloquently, what I was trying to say about the dependency thing, because if you're going to, you know, if you have to, if you're watching it late at night, you go to work the next day, you're flooded with work, you have no time to consider anything, and then you have have the night and you just get right back into it, maybe that's not enough time for you, but... Mm -hmm. Maybe you've got a day where you can go and you do get to talk to your coworkers, or you do get to take a few moments and look online and, you know, get on the internet, do that sort of thing. One of the things, I guess, I don't know where we're at time-wise, but to to kind of bookend this, yeah. what's your expectation level going into season two of True Detective? Now? Ah, yeah, that's, well, the thing, the key things about, I would say the key factor for me is the fact that uh, Carrie Fukunawa? Uh, is not coming back as director. Is that, that's correct. Right. He's uh, he's not coming back. I think he's still serving as an executive producer. They're having Justin Lin on to direct at least the first two episodes, and I haven't gotten any confirmation beyond that. Ones. Yeah. And I think, I think honestly, like uh, you know, there's some, there's some great dialogue in 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 the first season, and writing wise, there's a lot of intriguing moments. But it is definitely going to be. I'm definitely not convinced that it's going to be the same thing. Like, yeah. you know, a, a new... Because that's one of the key elements of True Detective is the fact that it was one consistent creative team throughout the whole thing, which really guided what made it so interesting and special. I want to say, like, I, 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 one of the reasons I did not watch True Detective is uh, because when I first... When HBO was first airing trailers, I saw the first trailer and I just kind of wrote it off immediately as, okay white guys investigating a murder crime dead lady dead lady in the woods i have seen this a million times before and i have in fact seen you know true detective you know does does definitely still fall into the genre of dead ladies in the woods being investigated by 
a couple of cops. Um, what made, but so all the elements about True Detective that made it really special and interesting upon actually viewing it, I found, I, I, I don't know how many of them, how, how much of that is tied up in the director. And that has, I mean, I feel like, I feel like you and I have had conversations about your worry for true, season two as well. Yeah, I, I share that exact concern as well as a few others. The looking back on it again with a few episodes, I was able to catch up this this weekend on where I very much appreciated. I very much appreciated the deep dive into this territory. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, when they go back to find, uh, I'm blanking on the name already. When they go back to find the guy that they thought had done it, and he didn't end up being the, the true killer, and they they work their way through the woods. And they have to go through those booby traps mm-hmm. and they're driving down these roads where you're, they don't have names for the roads. They have a weird thing <clears> hanging on the side of the highway to indicate this is where you turn to get to the whorehouse. I mean, there's <laughs> that kind of detail, I feel like some of it is probably within the writing, but a lot of it is at least in the collaboration with the director, if not coming straight from him. So I'm very concerned about that. I'm concerned about the casting just because after this first season got so much attention and mm-hmm. set such a high bar to bring in people who are not quite on the same level of Matthew McConaughey and even Woody Harrelson. Woody Harrelson is extremely talented as well as adored in in not only television but film. I'm not I'm not a Colin Farrell believer in the sense that he can carry something like that and that he's going to have the same kind of fervor behind him. He's going to need this season to be good by itself mm-hmm. for him to succeed in it, and I don't know if that's going to work out. I think he's very talented. I think he can definitely do the job. I just, as somebody to to carry the weight of what this has become, it's too much for me. So yeah. I, I'm, I'm concerned. I mean, is, is it, as far as you know, in terms of the structure of the season, is it really, is the whole thing on Colin Farrell's shoulders? Because he's not the only one in the cast. No, he's not the only one in the cast. He was the first one who was confirmed. He seems to be the lead. Vince Vaughn as the villain is an interesting idea to me just because it's a redefining career moment similar to what McConaughey had done, but it's not on the same level, and I'll be very curious to see how much he's how much attention is paid to him since the villain was you know most, mostly out of the picture right off screen for season one so it's going to be a whole different thing which is good it should be different but um rachel mcadams might be the make or break part of the series because the first season got a lot of bad press for its women issues which is not wrong and for her to be as recognizable as she is and then take on the role in this series like she's doing that's outside of her comfort zone she's going to have to knock it out of the park and her character is going to have to be equally like important and well done I tell well, you I, I tell you right now if there is a scene in season 2 where she has to go undercover as a stripper I'm turning off my television and I'm never watching the show again I'll probably keep watching but I will be equally disgruntled <laughs> um so, I mean I, I think it, what's interesting about this cast is that it is all actors who it is. It feels like all actors who are in like career redefining moments. Like this is a big deal for every single one of them. Like, and it's why it's an interesting cast. But I think it's also why it's definitely going to be interesting to see how many of them are being cast because of their narrative versus what they actually bring to this character that they're signed up for. I really. I mean, it seemed like 
an impossible task, and I, you know, obviously we haven't seen the scripts, we don't know what is going on with that, but to write a second season that's going to be as compelling character-wise as the first season is nearly impossible, and then to cast it so you can get somebody who is hot and talented enough, and when I say hot, I don't just mean physically hot, I mean literally, like, in the industry, McConaughey was blowing up when this was coming out. Was when it was when it was coming out, but wasn't he cast before the reconnaissance? He was cast before the reconnaissance in the sense that the movies hadn't started yet, like they hadn't been released. But he was already making it. He'd already started making the choices. Like he'd done, he'd made movies where it was he's taking this seriously now. Obviously, he was coming back from Dallas Buyers Club because you could see the weight loss. Oh my god, that was actually the 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 best thing about watching the later episodes of True Detective was not feeling so scared for him anymore because he looks. So he, he really does become a human being again by episode six or seven, and it's so nice to see. Cause well, it played into the future self of him too when he had the long oh, yeah. thing, because it was like that made him look a little bit more. Oh man, what happened? But um, but yeah, I I uh, I'll be interested to see what what happens with the end of this. It was it was a challenging task to say the least to get season two just right, mm-hmm. and we'll see if they have the material to do so as well as the actors, but. Well, I mean, I do have... Who knows when it comes out? I mean, fingers crossed for it. Like, I, I will not turn my nose up at more good good and interesting television. Absolutely not. It's going to be absolutely worth seeing, if only for the conversations that we can continue to have. So. Yeah. So, uh, we're going we're gonna to try to do something every week, because we cover so much, and it's good, a good opportunity for us to get quick pops of shows that you might want to be checking out, shows you might not have checked out. Uh, we're going to go do a quick rundown of uh, the best things we saw in the last week or so, and then the best thing we're, the thing we're most looking forward to coming up. So, Ben, you want to start with what was the best thing you saw? Oh, the best thing I saw last week. Um, I've been kind of surrounded in House of Cards right now, mm-hmm. and I'm trying to do... If you log on to IndieWire.com, you can find episode reviews of House of Cards, and that's what I'm trying to focus on. Um, So I'm trying to keep it so that I don't get ahead of it. I'll write, I'll watch an episode, write the review, watch the next episode, write the review, so that I'm not cheating and talking backwards in case, um, in case I, you know, sound like an idiot. But I very much liked the second episode. The first episode of the season was a little bit off kilter for me, but I appreciated what they were doing with it. So. Yeah. I'm, See, episode I'm, yeah. two is the one with that split screen sequence, right? Yeah. I really like that. Yeah. I like. I always like when they set up the parallels between those two, and I believe you noted in your season review, because you've seen all of it, Yeah. that they've really upped Claire's wattage this year. Like, there's more Claire. Well, it's, it's always been, like, a challenge with that character, like, especially in the first season when she's she's off in her own little company, she's got her own, entire own world, which is great, but it's so diminished in comparison to the great Kevin Spacey stuff that you know you, you kind of just want more of them together and that's something that the show has slowly but surely been achieving over the last uh, over the last couple of a couple of seasons which is exciting to see absolutely and I mean no spoilers please but I <laughs> when the nuke like... goes off in episode 10 I'm just saying <laughs> oh, that joke never gets old never gets um, old but it does seem early on like they're making a very conscious effort to portray Claire as, if not the puppet master, then very much the intellectually superior one of the two. Mm-hmm. At least at this stage in the game, 
where maybe Frank is just a little overwhelmed. And again, I've only seen three episodes, so don't I, I'm not write saying anything. in and tell me that I'm insane and this didn't work out. Whatever. But <laughs> you should definitely do that. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, write in with whatever you want. Great. And um, we're we're in a, we're having a weird a bit of a weird time thing here. We're recording this episode about a week before it's actually going to go live. So I'm gonna I'm slightly cheating by going back essentially what to you is two weeks, gentle listener. And picking the Parks and Rec series finale, um, it's it's that's it's an episode. It's a pair. It was a pair of episodes that I know some people reacted to badly in terms of like, oh, it's, just, it's like fan fiction. But I, I, I still have yet to really dig into all the things that made me feel and except that except to know that I think that was a beautiful finale. And given how hard series finales are to really stick the landing the way they did and to really use the whole season as build-up to that ending, I think there were so many perfect touches and uh, it was, I think, an achievement that we will look back on with a lot of fondness. And it's never too early to look back, so I I really like that choice, even if it feels like Parks and Rec ended a month ago by the time you hear this. It's worth... (laughs) going back and watching that season however you can. If you DVR'd it, if it's on Hulu, however you can get to it. It's it's worth kind of going back and, and reanalyzing that, taking that time to mm. appreciate what they did with it. Because there was a lot of ambitious stuff in the last season. Oh, yeah. Um, not the least of which was it being just oh so subtly a parody of Six Feet Under's finale. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I appreciated the I appreciated the space, the uh, like the boat, was it like a submarine? That the submarine that Craig's on. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That totally gave me a flashback to uh, uh, the. Uh, good lord, this is hard. Uh, the uh, uh, Freddie Rodriguez characters um, ending in the in Six Feet Under. You're right. Yeah. Uh, I didn't. Th- I haven't thought about that ending in a while. Yeah. It's Our a- own Emily Buter would would have a lot more to say on Six Feet Under comparisons, but. <laughs> We, we, we'll, we'll wait that we'll wait for her to be our special guest. Absolutely. Uh, so what's the thing you're most looking forward to? Well, you're going to hear a lot about this over the next at least two weeks, if not much, much longer. But one Eric Taylor, <laughs> a.k.a. Coach. Kyle Chandler, a.k.a. Coach, is returning to television uh, via Netflix in the new series Bloodline, which premieres March 20th. And as of right now, I'm still under embargo from giving my official thoughts on it. But since this won't be out for a week after the embargo, I'm able to say it's okay. (laughs) Um, I'll get into this much more later. I'm still very excited to see more of it. So that's what I'm still amping up for. Um, But I'll say right now, there's not enough coach. Well, was there ever going to be enough coach? I mean, put them in every scene, and then that's as much as there can be, and then there's technically enough. So, I, but you know. Yeah, I need I need to dig into it because, uh, unlike you, I've seen Damages, which is the right. show from the from these creators previous, and Damages was never like a top shelf highfalutin show, but it was a lot of fun. I always compared it to like reading a John Grisham novel, but with Glenn Close in it, which makes it a. 8,000 times better. So. The acting on this show is is top tier. They're doing a great job with that, and there's definitely potential, which is why it's my most excited pick for now. But uh, but what are you looking forward to? Uh, I'm looking forward to a, a CW series uh, that... Uh, well, I, I, I wanted to pick something... I'm, 
I, I just watched a lot of True Detective. I'm a little, <laughs> little burned out on dark, gloomy things. So uh, the CW is launching in the next couple of weeks a show called iZombie, which should be very exciting to anyone who's ever a fan of Veronica Mars because it is the new show from that creator, and it's based on a DC a DC comic, but it's basically very similar to Veronica Mars in a lot of respects. It's about a young woman who gets turned into a zombie. It's like Mary Tyler Moore, but she eats brains. Uh, it's created by Rob Thomas and uh, Diane Ruggiero, and uh, it should be, it sh it, it's not probably going to set the world on fire, but it looks like a lot of fun and with a lot of heart. They're having an event for that at South by Southwest. This they year, right? are. I need yeah. to start emailing some people. Thank yeah. you for the reminder, Ben. Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, I think it's an exciting time. Like March is kind of, kind of. Uh, there's a resurgence of shows, and then just just in time for us to get all worn out, and time for April when all the big shows come back. I was talking to an executive the other day, and he was asking me about my schedule and like how busy I'd been because he was kind of expecting it to be a slower time. And I'm like, there's no more slow time in TV. No. Every gap has been filled. There's going to be a premiere coming up for something all year. Yeah. So. I mean, January was kind of quiet, but then, but January we were in the midst of TCAs, so we were running around like crazy. And then, yeah, may, maybe May we'll have like a couple weeks where it'll feel slower, and then the June premieres will begin. Absolutely. And everybody tries to stagger something into that gap, like be it, even if it's not the most important thing and we don't necessarily have to cover it, there's, there's just continual TV people. So if you're disappointed with anything, you can find something else. Yep. So uh, in that case, which also means that there's no shortage of fuel for this podcast. So we'll hopefully be back next time uh, with more talking about television, which is something if you have not figured out, we enjoy doing. So uh, I, again, I'm Liz Shannon Miller at Lizlet on Twitter. I'm Ben Travers at Ben T Travers on Twitter. And you can of course follow everything IndieWire does at IndieWire.com. On we are also on Facebook at Facebook.com/indiewire and twitter.com slash uh, IndieWire and you know they the fine the fine fo the film folk do a wonderful job covering their end and we just try to keep up with ours so have a pleasant week and we'll see you we'll hopefully hear you next week <laughs>